0: Uh, Join me in Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, that's where we're going to be camping out. We're going to look at some other scripture passages as well, but as you're turning there, I want to ask you and and think to yourself about this, but what would you do uh, if you were given a bank account that every single morning, uh, $86,000 were deposited into it? Every morning that was there uh, for you to spend and invest however you would like to do it, but the only catch was that when the day was over, whatever money was left in that account was taken out. You couldn't carry over from one day to the next. There was, there was no way to transfer that money. You couldn't overdraft into tomorrow's deposit. You only had the $86,000 for that day. You know, I, I would imagine that um, if you're like me, you'd probably make the most of every single cent. Like, I've only got this one chance at these $86,000. Let's make sure we invest every penny of it wisely, make the use of it. Um, And what if I were to tell you that you did have a bank account like that, but not in the same way we'd see cash or a dollar, but in time, right? Every morning, each of us, every single one of us in this room, we're given 86,400 seconds every day. And it's up to you to manage that, to invest it, but when the day's done, whatever you didn't use, whatever you wasted, it's gone. You don't get a second chance. You can't borrow any of tomorrow's time for today. You get today's eighty-six thousand four hundred seconds, and that's it. Anything not uh, used is your loss. There's no going back. And the, the beautiful thing about time is that it has become something that's kind of governed our lives. Right? It's a created thing when. Before creation, God was not bound by time, but when he created the world, he, time was created with it, and so it governs much of our lives now. We use time to measure seasons, right? We're, we're coming out of winter now, moving into spring, we use uh, time to govern years, and and measure lengths of it, you know, holidays, those kind of things. We, we use it down to minutes and seconds. And for those of you, at, listen, I was never a track person, uh, but if you're in track, if you watch the Olympics or whatever that just happened, so much of their measurements go down to the hundredths or, or thousandths of a second, you know, the, the tiniest amount of time that we can measure because time has become such an important part of our lives. We celebrate anniversaries, holidays, after a specified period of time has passed, right? Uh, My birthday's in November. We're not going to celebrate my birthday in May because I would feel like it. I have to wait a whole year after November to celebrate my birthday again, right? And so time is so important to our lives, and especially in our American culture today, uh, time has become such a, a rule of things. We we are a hustle and bustle kind of uh, culture. Make the most, make the uh, absolute best use of every second we've been given. Capitalize on it in the most efficient ways possible. And so if you're if you're living in this culture and you're doubting whether or not time is uh, still an important thing for us, I, Maybe if you, if you really wanted to know, you could uh, drive over to O'Hare Airport, uh, find a seat somewhere, sit down and watch people as they're frantically sprinting across the airport, trying to get through security, trying to get to their uh, terminal on time before their plane leaves. Because they're learning in that moment just how important time is, right? If they run out of it there, they miss their flight and will be out of some cash, All right? So time is so important. Since it's been important throughout history, it's no surprise that God's word has something to say about it. So we're going to spend some time talking, uh, spend some time talking about time uh, this morning and investing it wisely. So we're going to be in Ephesians uh, chapter five, verses fifteen through seventeen, and we're continuing our series in "God We Trust" and, and learning what does it look like to trust God with our time. So in these uh, short verses, Paul is going to be exhorting his. Uh, fellow believers, to continue walking the the walk of a Christian, right? He's not going to call them out of a life of sin. He's not going to uh, challenge their salvation or, or whatever. He's just going to exhort or encourage them to live a life that is marked differently because they're a Christian, right? So uh, he talks a little bit. If you were to if you were to scroll up in, in your phone, or if you're looking at a real Bible, look just above, and you know he talks about the light, right? But when anything in verse thirteen is exposed by the light, it becomes. Visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Then he goes into our passage today. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump in and and unpack this passage a little bit together. So uh, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for uh, just this gift of time that you've given us now this morning, Lord, that we can uh, spend it freely to open up your word and and talk about it. God, I pray that you would uh, go before this message. Lord, move me out of the way that your words and your truths will be communicated and understood clearly. I pray that your spirit would be at work in each of our hearts to convict us and challenge us of the ways that we use our time, that we might be able to use it more efficiently, not just to get more things done, but to glorify you the most in all that we do. And we pray this now in your name. Amen. So this morning I want to talk about three things that as a Christian we need to be doing to invest your time Wisely. Uh, so, we're going we're to go through these things. And the first uh, thing as a Christian that we must always be doing is sensing your time. You need to sense your time. And uh, our small group right now at the Sherwood Grove campus, we've been working through Financial Peace University. And uh, I know you guys aren't doing that here. And one of the first things that's taught in uh, that lesson that Dave Ramsey gets on the screen and everyone hoops and hollers, and hey, Dave Ramsey, right? And he says, We have to feel our money again. We've become a plastic culture that that spends money on plastic cards, and uh, we don't use cash. And he goes on and on about this. He says, in order to get a grip on this, you need to feel your money, feel the emotion of taking cash out of your wallet and handing it over to somebody and saying, here, and make the transaction in that moment. Well, when it comes to our time, you can't reach in your pocket and pull out 10 minutes, right, and feel 10 minutes with your hands. You can't rub 10 minutes in your face. You can't smell 10 minutes. But we can sense it. And so how are we going to sense our time? And we're going to do this in two ways. We have to first recognize, sensing our time involves recognizing that it is going to run out. It's going to run out. A man, uh, Peter Drucker, once said, the supply of time is totally inelastic. No matter how high the demand, the supply will not go up. There's no price for it and no marginal utility curve for it. Moreover, time is totally perishable and cannot be stored. Time is therefore always an exceedingly short supply. What Peter Drucker is essentially saying, he fancied it up a little bit more than I would fancy it up, but he said, listen, time's running out. You're running out of time. Each moment as you sit, each moment as you stand, each moment you breathe, you're running out of time. There's never enough. There's only one moment, and then it's gone, Right? You only get one chance at this morning. There's a saying that uh, time is money, right? Time is money. And that may be true, that time is money. Um, But the opposite isn't true, that money is not time, right? You can't go and and say, you know what, I I need a little bit extra time today. Let me pull 100 bucks out, and uh, I'm going to purchase whatever that transaction would be, an extra hour. You can't do that, right? You spend time. You can make money. But when your time is gone, it's gone. You get one chance at it. That's what Phil talked about. Psalm ninety, verse twelve. It's Moses' prayer. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Right? We have to understand that each of us are running out of time, and in the different stages of life, we see that differently. When you're, you know, six years old, you're not thinking about that at all. When I'm twenty-five years old, I'm not thinking about that at all. Right? It seems so far away that life might end that our time might run out. And as we go through life, we start to see that, you know, time is going. Time I'm running out of time. I've been here for a longer amount of time. The time that I have left is shorter. I want to make the most of that time because I only have one chance at this. I only get one shot. And each of us, our time and our days are numbered. And some are closer than others, but my great aunt, I love it, the way she she kind of puts a, a light spin on it. She says Uh, We all have an expiration date, right? We have an expiration date where our lives will be over, our our life will be expired in a sense. Are you going to use it while you have it, or is there going to be part of it in a sense you've left on the shelf and let it expire away? Use it while it's here. Um, The the question really is, how will you spend your time? Time is running out. The second way that we sense our time is recognizing that it is in need of your review. It's in need of your review. You know, we waste an unreal amount of time in minutes, not hours. It's not very often that you sit down, wow, I just wasted three hours doing nothing. But you do sit down very often, I just wasted five minutes doing this. I just wasted ten minutes. I was just looking at YouTube videos for 13 minutes, and I got nothing out of that, right? We waste time in minutes. There's a saying that um, if you had two buckets full of water, and you drilled a small hole in the bottom of one, and you kicked the other one over, they're both going to be just as dry, right? The one that you kicked over, it loses all the water at once, but the other one, it, it drips slowly. That doesn't seem as much of a concern, but at the end of the day, it is just as empty, just as dry as the other one. We waste so much time in the little things, and we don't uh, realize it often if we don't take the time and evaluate how we've spent it. And... Um, We've had those days where you, f- you finish your day and you're like, Wait, what did I just do? You know, I was uh, working a couple weeks ago with Mario, the youth pastor, and we were uh, hustling and bustling on a bunch of these little things, and he looked up he's like, I've been here for six hours, and I don't know if I've gotten much done. What's going on? I feel like time's just slipping away. Well, it does if we don't evaluate what's going on. And so Paul says... He says we need to look carefully as to how we walk, right? Look carefully as to the way that you live your life. I want you to imagine for a second that you have to go somewhere, and the necessary path to get there requires you to walk through an old minefield from World War II. I don't know why you'd have to go through that. But let's just say you had to. So imagine it with me. You come to the edge of this minefield, and you know that there's a bunch of undetonated mines out there, and you have to cross from this side to the other. And that's the only way you can go. So how are you going to walk across that minefield? You're probably not going to say, well, let's go. You're just going to sprint across and say, let's hope for the best, right? When your life's on the line right there, you're going to say, I'm going to take every single step very carefully. I'm going to look exactly where I'm putting my foot. I'm going to be very cautious in how I do this, right? I'm going to make sure, I'm going to look carefully as to how I walk across this minefield. Because last thing you want to do is trip one of those mines. It's game over. So you're going to be careful as to how you walk, right? And you might get to the other side and you're like, okay, I was able to walk carefully and and travel across this field. The same should be true in how we uh, live our life, right? And Paul says that the days are evil. And this is when he's writing back to the church in Ephesus, are the days any less evil today? No. The days are just as evil now. As a Christian, we ought to walk carefully. We ought to be sure that we're looking carefully as to how we live our life. And the best way to evaluate time is to have an end goal. Right? Have you guys ever, you had a goal for something and, you know, I, I want to get to, like, point B is my target, whatever it may be. In order to get to point B, I got all these little sub points that I have to get there, you know, waypoints along the way, you know. Um, That's how you can measure whether or not you're achieving your goal. You know where you're headed, so you can see, am I on path to get to my target? And, you know, it's not very useful to evaluate anything when you have no goal, because then you have no standard, right? I can't evaluate how I spend my time if I'm only just looking at my time, because I have nothing to compare it to, no evaluation method, no standard to measure it against. But if I take something that has a standard, Put them next to each other. Now I know, okay, am I using my time wisely? Now I know, am I making the best investment of these five minutes, of these three days, whatever it may be? And as a believer, that's the scriptures, right? Where God has given us a standard as to how to live our life, a standard of what he expects from us. And, And Paul says, you know, later in verse 17, that we should understand what the will of the Lord is. Brothers and sisters, this is where we learn what the will of the Lord is. We as Christians should spend a great deal of time knowing this. Because this is the only way that we can evaluate our lives and look back on the time behind us, the time recently spent, the time spent long ago, and say, all right, was it worthwhile? Am I on the right track? Do I need to make an adjustment? Do I need to change my course in any way, shape, or form to uh, best invest this time that God has given me. And that's why Jesus says we have to take up our cross daily, die to ourselves daily. We need to evaluate, give up our own our own uh, desires and directions, and follow the Lord and all of it. So reviewing your time isn't just about you know looking back on it and saying you know I really I really enjoyed that time. I like how I spent that time, right? Because that's subject to yourself. Looking back and reviewing your time requires you to hold it up next to a standard, to evaluate it next to God's word. So it's to be honest with yourself. There's going to be times where you'll look back and review your time and you're going to say, you know, that was really nice. That was fun. But it may not have been really worth it at the end of the day. I could have used this time better. Time is an important thing. We need to always be sensing our time. The second thing that we have always need to be doing as Christians is sharing our time. We need to share our time and um, we got five things, and uh, what we're going to talk through these di- five different things where we'll share our time. And there's a lot that can be said about each of them. So uh, since normally we don't have the time to sit here together for like three days, I'm not going to be exhaustive in talking about each of them, but kind of give you know, a quick snapshot into it and how we're to use our time, a brief glimpse as to what the Scriptures say about these things. But there are five areas where we have to learn to manage our time between. And the, the first, the most priority, is the Lord, right? Jesus, says, seek first the kingdom of the Lord. We have to invest our time in the Lord in two ways, is what the Scriptures call us to, corporately and individually, right? We're going to invest our time in the Lord corporately. What we're doing right now is you investing your time in the Lord corporately. You're here gathered with other believers. We've spent time worshiping. We've shared testimony of God's work in the prison ministry. We have done uh, many things, and now we're opening God's word and studying it. Small groups, and you guys have a small group that meets out here. What an opportunity to invest your time corporately. You gather together with other believers. You open up the word. You encourage each other. You challenge each other. You hold each other accountable to things. You support each other through life struggles. That is investing your time Corporately, God will call you to give your time in service, right? There are needs that need to be met, you know, helping serve a meal. Uh, what an opportunity to take your time and invest it corporately with the Lord. But also, individually. We are, you know, God wants and desires to have a, a personal relationship with each of us. Not just one where we come and hang out as a big family, but he wants to know you as an individual and wants you to know him individually. And you know, we got way you reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, all the classics. You know, you ask people, Well, how can how can I encourage you in your walk with the Lord? And those are like the two classic ones, right? I really need to read my Bible more. I really need to pray more. And and so true, right? Because we can get so distracted by the many other things in life that we won't take the time to sit and invest it in opening up the word. We've come to live in a a culture and a society that likes, you know, driving through McDonald's and getting your food in 30 seconds, right? My wife works at Jimmy John's. Their slogan is freaky fast, right? I want my food now. I want it yesterday. You know, we we like fast Internet so we don't have to sit there and wait for things to load. We live in a culture, you know, microwaves, for crying out loud. You want some rice? Well, now you don't have to cook rice for a long time because we got minute rice, You know, we like things fast. And how much has that moved into our individual time with the Lord? You know, studying God's word takes time. And it's an investment. An investment is giving up something now for something greater later. Do we see the value in reading and understanding his word that we would say, you know what, it's worth the hour of my time to uh, go online and look up some commentaries and understand this. Is it worth it to me? And when we don't spend that time, you know what that screams from the rooftops? Something else is more important than that. Something else is more important for me to spend my time on than understanding the word, spending it in prayer. And we are, we're all guilty of that, right? All of us, my, myself included, all the time. I can find a million other things to do that'll keep me from this. And boy, does the devil love when well, that happens. And we have to be careful, you know, there are, You'll get people on, on multiple sides of this, right? You'll have some people who say, I don't need to spend time uh, in the Word individually, in prayer individually, because I go to church. I go to church. I, I listen to the Word. That's, my, that's my, food consum- my spiritual food consumption for the week. I'm good, right? I go to a small group. You'll have people who are so involved in church and never open up the Word on their own, because church is good enough. I serve. I do all these things. That's good enough. On the other side, you might have people who say, well, why do I need to go to church? I can open up the Bible myself. I can pray by myself. Why do I need to go spend time with all these other people? I can have a bunch of other things I could do on a Sunday morning or, you know, a a Sunday night, whatever it may be. You know, but both are wrong. We need both, individual and corporate. We need to invest our time and share it with the Lord. The second one is our loved ones. We need to share our time with our loved ones, the Lord and our loved ones. I just read a post the other day on Facebook of, of this guy who was going on a... Facebook rant, um, saying, you know, my family just doesn't seem to get it. They say I work so many hours and I'm never home, but they just don't understand. I'm only gone, I only work so many hours so that I can make more money, so they can live all the dreams that they want to live, right? And, and I'm reading through it, I'm like, I can see where you're coming from, but don't you see that you're missing out on this time that you have with your family? You've got little kids, they're only going to be a little kid for a little while, then they're not going to be a little kid anymore. And you're going to look back and say, well, I spent all my time at work so they could go to Disney and do all this stuff, but maybe you didn't even get to go to Disney with them because you had to keep working. And those memories that you can't put a price tag on are gone. Invest your time with your family. And listen, I'm not saying that this is your excuse to not work and not provide for your family. Don't take it that way, right? In 1 Timothy 5.8, um, they talk about, you know, you need to provide for your family first and foremost. If you don't, you're no different than an unbeliever. Providing for your family is important. Provide for them, but, you know, when's enough enough, too, right? No one, know where that, that line is where I, I've been working, but I need to be with my family as well. I need to spend this time with them. The scriptures have a lot to say about our loved ones, and that's why I told you we can't be exhaustive on all this, because you can do a whole sermon series on uh, loved ones and how to relate with them And the importance of investing your time with them Right? You've you got family, friends You know, your church All, all the, the whole works of loved ones How you deal with conflict, etc um, But I told you We're going to do a, a quick snapshot, right? So children, children What is the, the command for you with your parents? Honor your parents, right? Obey your parents in the Lord That's your job That is your task, your responsibility to your parents Care for them, love them don't make their life difficult. I made my mom's life very difficult. When I was a you know freshman or sophomore, I thought I had it figured out. I didn't. She was right. And now she likes to remind me of that, you know? But I made her life difficult for a season. Parents, train up your child in the way they should go. Does that mean it's always going to be easy? Does that mean you're going to have to be the bad guy sometimes and say, hey, you're wrong, and I need to correct you? You need some discipline right now? Yeah? It does. Does that mean there's going to be times where you know you may need to sacrifice what you want for the sake of your child? Yeah, it sure does, right? Deuteronomy six tells you to train up your children, teach them about the ways of the Lord, and all the things that you do, not just in, in a devotional time at night, but as you're going throughout your life, as you're sitting, as you're standing, as you're walking, right? And when you're in the grocery store, how are your kids seeing you live out your faith in all that you do? Teach them what it means to follow the Lord. Proverbs 18, there's a friend who sticks closer than her brother, right? Friends are important to have. Some people just don't like to have friends because friends bring stress. I don't know, you know, but what a blessing that friends can be. You know, we need to have friends. You know, this week, um, Wednesday night, we, we do a youth group on Wednesdays in, in Sugar Grove, and a mom showed up early to pick up her daughter. And she was like, you know, I don't know if... I don't know if she told you about this and I was like, I haven't she hasn't talked to me yet tonight. So no, I'm thinking that in my head. She's like, "Well, her her friend from school is turning 13 this week and uh, her her family can't really afford to throw her a a birthday party." So m- my daughter came to me and said, "You know, mom, I I really want to throw my friend a birthday party. Can we have it at our house?" And this family is a family that they they're Pretty type A. They they don't like craziness, and they, they like to kind of have things in order. They like to have their time and not have it disrupted. And and you know she she was like I was kind of freaking out when she said that you you wanted our house. Well, I guess I can talk to your dad. And you know it turned into they're having a birthday party right this weekend uh, for uh, this friend. And it started out that you know we'll just have a couple girls come over. It'll be like five girls. We'll have a fine time. It turned into ten, and then they're freaking out. And she was telling me she was like. I'm this is so stressful to me. This is not how we wanted to use our Saturday. And I said, listen, you're doing a great thing for your daughter. You're doing an awesome thing, right? Because 10 years from now, I bet you're going to wish you would have had more of these moments. Think of the memories that your daughter's making. Think of, think of the heart behind your daughter right now. She wants to invest in her friend. She wants to do something and serve her friend. And you're, making, you're helping her do that. What a testimony that you're giving. You are doing the best thing for your daughter right now. She's like, yeah. You know, it might be difficult, but it's it's worth it to do the right things to invest in our loved ones. You know, the the sad part about our loved ones, too, is you, you don't know the time that you have. We just, we don't. We don't know how much time we have left with our loved ones. Anything could happen at any time, right? A car accident. There's 17 families and countless loved ones and friends who are mourning the early loss of a bunch of high school students down in Parkland, Florida, right? They didn't plan for that. They didn't know what kind of time they had left. And, and they're each saying, I wish I had just a little bit more time. Think about that. That's something I always have to think about. It's easier for me to come home and, you know veg out watching TV, Netflix, or playing video games or something, you know, Brie will come and say, hey, well, why don't we just sit and talk for a little bit? And, and that's not the most natural thing for me, but you know what? That, that's more important, isn't it? That's going to be something that is a far better investment of my time to spend it with my wife and not looking at some computer screen or, or a TV. The loved ones we have, invest the time while you have it. You will not regret it. And So the third thing, we've got to keep moving here, um, is labor, right? We uh, manage our time and share it between the Lord, our loved ones, our labor. We were created as as human beings to work, believe it or not. Some people hate work. They always say if you find a job you love, you won't feel like you have to work a day in your life. But it's still work, right? Put your hands to do something and do it well. Um, Starting from the very beginning of creation, God said we were to have dominion and subdue the earth. We're to work, right? In Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon writes, whatever your hand finds to do, work hard at it because there's no work for you where you're going in Sheol. Work while you can. Work hard at it. My basketball coach in, in high school, he was my, bas, uh, my basketball coach and my uh, Bible teacher, um, he would always say, if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Do it right the first time because if, if it's worth doing for you to begin with, just do it. Don't be lazy, don't, be, don't cut corners, do the right thing, work hard at it, and let that be that. You know, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, Paul tells his readers, if you don't work, you don't eat. Pull your weight. You know, we talked about providing for your family. These are all important things to do. We as Christians should be the hardest working people around. As a youth pastor, I should work to be the hardest working youth pastor I could be, the best youth pastor that I can be. If you're working in a trade, you should be the best at that trade. You should be the hardest working person in your trade because you're a believer. You are held to a higher standard than anybody else in the world, than any unbeliever, because not only do you have your, your employer's standards, but the standards of Scripture. Work hard. Don't let your hands grow idle. Fourth, the lost. We share our time between the Lord, our loved ones, our labor. And the lost, right? So many Christians uh, don't want to associate with the ungodly because they, they view their sin as some sort of disease that they can just contract. And it's like, I've I got to keep my distance. i got to build my boundaries and my walls. And I'm going to stay right here in my happy little spot. So, that, you know, I don't... I, I'm good. I'll just stay right here. Is that the life we're called to as Christians? No, absolutely not. All right? Let's listen to some of Jesus' words real quick. Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Right? You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way... Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Matthew five thirteen through 16 In Matthew 28, and as Jesus commanded the disciples, and what we now call the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. To make a disciple of someone is to go where there is no disciple and make them one to spend the time. Paul wrote in Romans 10, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Each of us as Christians can take the good news to the lost. And we need to. We need to. Sometimes I think so many Christians just don't know how to interact with an unbeliever. We, we forget how to do that, especially if, you know, if you're someone who was raised in a Christian home and raised in the church, and that's all you've known, and maybe you've never been around the unbelieving world, and you're like, uh, what do I do? How do I interact? They, they seem so different. Well, listen, at the end of the day, they're people. They have emotions and struggles and everything just the same as you, but here's the reality. You have been uh, pulled out of darkness and into the light. It's like showing a, being a beggar and showing another beggar where to find bread, Right? You show them the way. They're lost, but they're people. Don't psych yourself out so much more about it. We need to be around lost people. If the church just all went into a bubble, the the kingdom of God would not grow. Eventually, the kingdom of God would die, right, as people died out. While we are here, we need to be around the lost. If we are not, you are not investing your time wisely. And fifth, we need to uh, share our time with leisure. Leisure is a good thing, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a, on a limb here and say that if, if on the seventh day God rested, and <laughs> my understanding of the scriptures is God's a bit more powerful and mighty than you and I, right? He's not dependent on anything, so if, if he rested on the seventh day, I believe it's pretty safe to assume that you and I ought to rest at some point too, right? Every night we got to sleep. If you don't sleep, you know, you're, you're in for a rough haul. We need sleep. We're dependent on things. Leisure is a good thing. Today is uh, the Sabbath day, right? Sunday, we go to church. It's it's supposed to be a Christian's day of rest. And, you know, I've seen it a lot where I feel like there's so much work that takes place still on Sundays, so much crazy and busyness. You know, no longer is it a day of the Lord, but it's a day to go to church and then pick up on all your busyness, right? I still have a million other things I 've got to get to, a million other things I've got to get done, but you know we have to remember that the Sabbath day it wasn 't created for God. the Sabbath day was created for us it 's what Jesus says in mark two twenty seven The Sabbath day was created for man because we need to rest. we need to take time and stop six days for your regular work and one day to rest, right resting is an important thing. And I don't, I don't know if you guys initially realized this. You probably did, and it just never really clicked like it did for me. But, you know, honoring the Sabbath day is it's one of the Ten Commandments. It's, you know, it's right up there with honor your father and mother. Do not use the Lord's name in vain, right? Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not covet. Honor the <laughs> Sabbath day. But for some reason, you know, those other ones were like, yeah, do not kill. Do not lie. Oh, honor the Sabbath. You know, it's, it's kind of more of a suggestion, don't you think, right? Just take it, you know, maybe I got something this week. So what? Not big of a deal. You know, what if someone treated murder like that? You'd be like, what's wrong with this person? Lock them up, right? Honor the Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath. Do you guard your Sabbath day? You know, a recent study um, has shown that over the last 60 years, our culture has changed a lot. Um, you know, going into the 1960s, uh, high status and success in our culture was measured differently than it is today. Then it was, it was measured by leisure, right? If you had time to spend on leisure, to go on trips and, and do your fun hobbies, then you were a successful person. You must have high status, right? Because you had enough means to take some time off work. If you could go on a vacation and have pictures taken of you by a beach, then, man, that's you must have it going on. If you could take a, a, a long weekend off of work and just spend it relaxing at home, wow, you've got something figured out here. You must be successful. But now, now our success and high status in America is, is judged on your busyness. How busy you are makes you more successful gives you a higher status, right? Because the more things you have to do, the more responsibility you must have, which means you have more uh, capability. People need you more. You must be important. You know, they, they took this study and they, they, I thought this was so fascinating. I just thought it was cool, right? Um, they, they made two people, right? The same person uh, as a control in this study, and um, both of them were listening to music but one of them was listening to music through a Bluetooth headset, and the other one was listening to music uh, through your, your basic earbuds that you know are, have a string that are attached to your phone. And, and they went and they asked all these people, which one of these people are more successful? You know which one they said? Without fail, the Bluetooth. Why? They're doing the same thing. They're both just listening to music. But the Bluetooth headset has come to be something that communicates the need for multitasking and to be reached at any moment's notice on the go. While regular earbuds are viewed as, oh, you're just kind of being a bum listening to music. Don't you have something else you could do? Right? That's where our culture's gotten to. We have become a culture of busyness where we, we long for leisure. We Oh, I would love to have a vacation. I can't wait for the weekend. And then it all comes and you just blow it away doing all kinds of crazy stuff even when you're there. You know, it's painful to me for me to sit and do nothing. Have you ever tried to do that? Sit and do absolutely nothing for like 15 minutes. And that's your, your homework for today. Just literally don't watch TV. Just sit there. I'll give you 15 seconds. You're going to be like, all right, got to do something, right? We've become a, a culture of doing stuff. We need to learn to rest. Guard your Sabbath days. A day a week. To spend with the Lord and to rest in leisure, we've become the Energizer Bunny Society, right? We just go and go and go and go and go and go. And go. We never run out, right? We need to learn to share our time between those things. And lastly, i will start to close the door on this. We need to always be sanctifying our time. And uh, let me let me define sanctifying real quick in case you you don't know what that means. Sanctify is a fancy theological word to, uh, in layman's terms, to set apart or to declare holy, right? So you need to be setting apart your time, declaring your time to be holy. And we're going to do this three ways. The first is don't compartmentalize your time. Don't compartmentalize your time. We just talked about five areas of your life you need to share your time between. And, And those are five things that we need to be investing our time in. But what happens so often when we talk about uh, sharing your time or investing your time, especially in the church, it's normally communicated in. Well, you just need to spend more time at church. You must not be serving enough. You know, come join this group. You got three small groups you're in already. Well, great, come join another one. You know, we got all these things going on. Come be a part of it. The church, just more time at church, more time at church, more time at church, right? But that's not what I want you to hear today, and I don't think that's what uh, the scriptures teach either. But that all of your time. It's to often be for the Lord, right? When you're spending time as a, a parent, as a friend, as a sibling, you do it for the Lord. When you're you know, going to your kids' track meets or soccer games or whatever it may be, you, you're an example for the Lord. When you're in your leisure time, you do it for the Lord. When you're working, you do it for the Lord, right? All these things, we, we don't want to break down our time and say, well, this is my religious time, this is my time of faith, and this is my secular time, right? But God calls that everything that we do should be for Him. And, you know, that's something that we, we seriously need to start to think differently about. You know, when you're on the phone with that crazy, really frustrating community service rep, and, you know, in that moment you're thinking, I don't even want to act like a Christian anymore right, they're being such a pain and if they'd only just listen to me and solve my problems, how can you use that opportunity for the Lord? Don't compartmentalize your time. Secondly, control your actions and your attitudes. Control your actions your attitudes. Listen, no person, no event, nothing around you controls how you live and how you act except for you. Growing up, my mother always taught me you're responsible for your own actions. My brother would do something. I'd hit him back or do something. And she'd be like, why'd you do that? Well, he... She'd be like, no. You did it. You did it. You are responsible for it. You cannot blame anybody else. Don't deflect it any longer. Own up to it. You did it in control, right? Don't let yourself be... Tossed and swayed in every little bit. Don't let your emotions control you, right? If your emotions control you, you, you who knows what you're going to do, right? Because sometimes you're really angry. And who, it's scary what you might do when you're really angry. Or when you're really sad. Suddenly that 65-inch TV is feeling pretty good because I'm sad. And boy, would that make me feel better. It's not the best decision though, right? Control your actions and your attitudes. And lastly, captivate each moment. Now, I, I've kind of come to realize that every time I preach, there seems to be something in the passage that I'm just like, like, whoa, I had no idea about that. Or like, teaches me something I never understood before, and, and this is it, all right? And, and I love this. The, I'm going to start calling it the wow moment, because seems, literally every time I preach a message, there's that wow moment, like, whoa, I cannot wait to talk about this. This is so cool that God taught me this. What an amazing thing, right? Um, so the Greek language. There's two words that they'd use for time two words they'd use for time um, the, the words were Kairos and Chronos right those are the two words and I think this is so fascinating so when they would use the word Chronos that was the the word that they would use for sequential time right things you know next year is my birthday you know you have a, a pattern of doing things you know you you wake up and you what do you do first you almost do the put your glasses on, whatever, blow your nose, you get up, you go to the bathroom, you brush your teeth, you take a shower, you eat your breakfast, whatever. You have a sequence of things. Chronos time is the sequential order of time. And then kairos time was used differently. Kairos is, is the time that's used for, there, there's a right moment, a right opportunity to seize that moment. Like, this is the right time for this to take place. Well, guess what word Paul used here in Ephesians? Kairos. Isn't that cool, right? See, I just think this is fascinating stuff. He uses the word kairos, meaning, you know what? This is the right opportunity. Seize this opportunity. Seize the time in front of you. You get it once. Listen, each of you, this is the only March eleventh, two 2018, you will ever get to live. It's the only one that's ever happened in history, and it will never happen again. This is it. And you've chosen to spend this morning here at church Because that was the appropriate investment for you. You're captivating that moment. It's to take, seize the opportunities in front of you. And what an amazing thing. And so this is why I think it's so cool when Paul says, because the days are evil. He says, seize the opportunity because the days are evil. You know what he doesn't say? Hide in a corner because the days are evil. He says, seize the opportunity. Expose the darkness with the light. The darker a room is, the tinier the bit of light it takes to shine through the darkness, right? Here we are as Christians. And Paul says, seize the moments. Make the best use of the time. We're here for only a short time. And if I would have thought of this earlier, I I once did an illustration with my middle schoolers at the Sugar Grove campus where I I got this really, really long piece of string. And I put a little uh, dot on it. And I said, this this is, or like a little segment of it. I said, this is your life. If you lived the average age, about 80 years old, this is your life. And when you're only holding that part, that's like the whole string. But I said, you know what? Now here's how long it's been since the American Revolution. Here's how long it's been since. Here's how long it's been since. And the, suddenly that little piece of time that is your life looks smaller and smaller and smaller on that piece of string. We are here for only a little bit, but we've been given it to do great things. Will you seize the opportunity and captivate each moment for the glory of God? What a privilege that we have to be a part of that. Jonathan Edwards uh, once wrote, I resolve that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. When I'm on my deathbed, will I look back and say that I'm happy with how I lived, I have no regrets for the way I lived." Will you live now as if it were your last moment? saying, this is what I would do if this were the last thing I had. The last bit of time. See, we will either master our minutes or we will become slaves to them. Either we will use time or time will use us. What will you do? We're each given 86,400 seconds in a day. What are you going to do with them? How will you invest that time?